Welcome everybody to the Geeks in Suits podcast. I'm Chase Gerber, and today I'm with my darling brother Ben. Benny, what's happening, bro? Oh man, we haven't done one of these for a while. Yeah, it's it's been a busy summer. It has been. First of all, before we get, we're gonna be talking Mr. Robot season two, but before we do that, uh, we have to eat some crow because the last time that we officially released a podcast was after Game 4 of the NBA Finals, where we both happily, very sadly said that we were going to lose the series. And as you all know, God smiled upon Cleveland, and we happened to win three straight games. So, Ben, let's happily say that we were wrong, and it was the greatest wrong moment of our lives, correct? I think I'm still pretty confident that we're going to lose the series. (laughs) <laughs> still, still I, I, think we might I, wake I, up and we're down 3-1 yeah I think I, I, I might wake up one day and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry like hit four back-to-back three pointers and suddenly we're like losing with five seconds like it's yeah it's it's still surreal and I'll gladly crow for the rest of my life for being that much of a pessimist that night when we recorded that because we were down in the dumps, weren't we? We were. But in our defense, we did not know Draymond oh, Green was... would be suspended for Game 5. Oh, so we no. have that I mean, going for it was, us. It was done. I mean, that that was the most... It was it, The series was done. Then yeah. It was just... There was no hope. But Yeah. But here we are. Um, we're NBA champions. Yeah. So and we I'm, eat I'm crow. totally fine with just looking like an idiot for that. That's yeah. the best feeling I've ever felt when I've been an idiot. Yep, we were wrong and we couldn't be happier. Okay, Benny, let's get into Mr. Robot Season 2. It ended a week ago, last Wednesday. We're recording this the following Wednesday. The Wednesday after. Wednesday after. And I guess where to start? Maybe not totally the season we were expecting from Mr. Robot after that fantastic Season 1. I'd agree. I mean, I think... uh... I, don't, I think everyone agrees with that. I, I don't know of anyone who's like crazily on fire the way they were for, for the first season. The first season was kind of like the bender, and, and this season was a hangover. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I just think everyone was so used to the really fast-paced way that the first season was set up. They were expecting kind of like a 2.0 version of that, and instead it was almost like the second season of Breaking Bad. Kind of slow, drawn yeah. out. You're kind of waiting for the finale for this, you know, big reveal or whatever, and you don't really get it, you know. We yeah, we talked about how it it kind of has some similarities in the sense that like that was the season that the that Breaking Bad branched out and really made Hank an interesting character and Skyler and Marie, like, and that's what I feel like Robot Season Two did was um, it wasn't just a a linear story about one character in Elliot. There was a, a story about um, Darlene. There was a story about Angela. There was a story about the new character, Dom. Um, and it wasn't... It, everyone was just so far stretched out away from each other during more than like half the season. And I think that's what was frustrating. As If you went week to week with each episode... It was hard to see any like progress in any of those stories on that like time frame. Like I think you and me, you know, we both watched it 
in like a, a binge last year. We didn't like watch it as it was live on TV. Mm-hmm. And I think that was um, disadvantageous because I, I really think if you go back and like watch these episodes two or three at a time, I think you'll have a better um, outlook on it and, and get more out of it because the other thing, there was a lot of cliffhangers in between episodes. Um, like there was just, it almost got to the point where I thought it was a little cheap. Mm-hmm. Like for the third episode in a row at one point, there was this, oh, who's behind the door? Or who are they talking to at that moment? What's going on type thing mm-hmm. um, that I feel like are tactics better used for, you know, a Walking Dead network show or something like that. Right. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I felt like every single episode were left with one or two cliffhangers and then we go to the next episode, we don't, it's not a satisfying, like, what's on the other end of that cliffhanger, and then the end of the next or episode, it's not we have three more. Exactly. Um, yeah. And that's extremely frustrating, especially if you're walking, watching on a, on a week-to-week basis. Um, and, yeah, the, so... The other th- I, go ahead. The, the other thing that's kind of difficult was, like, if you notice watching this season... Each episode, each episode goes straight into the next one. I mean, one after another. It's like a, it's like a really long twelve-hour movie, mm-hmm. and I think some weeks it was really hard for the editors to figure out, you know, okay, where do we cut? Where do we like stop the story for this episode and start with the next one? Um, so I feel like it was just kind of really difficult to do that because there's no time that passes in between these episodes almost. Right. And I don't want to make it sound like we hated the season. I actually really enjoyed the season, um, more so in the beginning. And I know for me, I feel this way, and I don't know if you do possibly, but after watching the finale and, like, seeing what we were building towards, uh, I really appreciated that, like, six-episode stretch at the beginning where Elliot was in the illusion of jail, and we kind of knew it was jail, but it was never revealed that it was jail. I felt like I, like that series of episodes ended up being my favorite stretch of the season compared to the second half. Would you like, I know you were kind of bumped out by it, um, being stretched out so far at first, but do you feel any different after seeing the finale? Um, we're still in disagreement. I, 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 I'm much more lukewarm about it than I think you are. Um, Mm. That's too bad. I, I think, I think, no, and I mean, it's, it's I'm just being a little critical of it, because I think um, it kind of had a, it had a pacing problem in the first half of the season, and I, I understand, like, we talked about this too, I mean, I'm doing the Phil Sims thing. Yeah, you um, are. How, how, um, you know, you have your whole life to, you know, write your first season of a TV show or record your first album. And then you have a year to, you know, make the second. And mm-hmm. I think Esmail during this season was trying to figure out the ideal pacing and storytelling beats for the show he's trying to create. Um, and it's that's totally fine. And it, it never, I, ne- I never got a sense like the total quality of the the season dropped off. But I thought that the whole the whole pre- prison being isolated from everyone thing. Probably got drawn out an episode or an episode and a half, probably too long. 
um, the the mental games he had, you know, with Mister Robot in his head and everything. I thought you could have could have slimmed down the Ray thing and him understanding, you know, Mister Robot's there for him. And I, I just felt like it all could have been condensed. Like when you if you would have told me that uh, the beginning, well, I mean, when I heard at the beginning of this season it was going to be twelve episodes, I was really excited. I was like, yeah, all right, that's awesome. I I want more of this show. Now, uh, in retrospect, I'd say it's probably better if it stays a, a 10-episode season every year. Right. Um, I don't know. I think one of the reasons I really like the uh, the illusion of jail uh, for that, was it the first six or seven episodes? I don't quite remember. Um, I, th- I think it was six. I, don't, I think I it was remember. six, too. Either way, I think one of the reasons I like that is, um, you know, the, the internal struggle between Elliot and his father, Mr. Robot, that kind of was going on in their opposing sides and then kind of near the end of it it seems like they're going to be on the same team and the reason that the second half of the season kind of bumped me out is that we kind of were building up to that with Elliot being in jail and then it kind of mm-hmm. just goes back to square one where Elliot's not okay with what Mr. Robot's doing and they're at odds again by the end of the season uh, which I think is well, really frustrating. I mean, that's yeah, and then that's why I'd understand if you're frustrated at the end of the season because they they built so much time investing into the idea that um, they they had each other figured out and they were on each other's side, and then it ends up you know being the opposite. I I can see how that's. I mean, there's all kinds of little things like that that I can understand why people were like frustrated by the elements of the season. Okay, but. Um, at the same time, like, obviously, you and me, we have similar interests in the shows that we like and, and the things that we watch. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate shows that, you know, take chances and just aren't your typical run-of-the-mill syndicated television shows that play on networks over and over again. And I really can't fault Mr. Episode, or can't fault Mr. Robot for continually doing that, even if... Um, the season wasn't quite as, I don't know, enjoyable in that sense. Um, it's admirable as hell. There's a whole episode in this season, um, or there's, there's like half of an episode that is just a parody of Full House. sitcom, yeah. That's insane. That's so, like, just messed up and weird, and, like, I love it. The show, you know, still, um just messes with my head in all the right ways. And I really I really hope it never doesn't do that. Because I, I do. I, I tune in every week just for the, the mind F. Yeah. Uh, I know we've we've asked each other on several times, like, is anything we saw in that last episode actually real <laughs> with Elliot? And the truth is yeah. we don't know. We've we kind of been wondering that ever since we get the reveal um, that Mr. Robot is a figment of his imagination, it's kind of like, okay, so what uh, that we've seen so far um, is actually real and what isn't, you know, because he's been imagining so much of this in his head. Um, the one thing I do want to point the, out... The, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's, there's points where it's... Um, it's really enjoyable and then there's other times you you know watch you've watched two or three episodes and you're just like 
I need to know. I, I need to have like my like both of my feet on the ground, right? And and know there's <laughs> what is like actually been real these last few things that I've watched. But right. I mean that's that's the nature of the show, and it's um it's unapologetic, and and I I admire that and applaud it for you know sometimes it's good to go through like frustrating parts of a television series. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, when the story comes back around, it's, uh, you just, you cherish that more, I guess. Right. And the one thing that is important to remember is that when Sam Asmail came up with this idea for Mr. Robot, it was originally a movie and everything has gotten, has got, had to get stretched out so much in order to make this, you know, a four five, six season television show. Um, and I know, I know he said in interviews that season one was kind of, you know, the first act. And so it kind of makes sense that this second season, which would be the second act, if you will, uh, you know, was maybe a little more stretched out and in, in many ways a lot different because, you know, in a typical movie, you're going to have rise and falls and sometimes it gets faster and then it slows down for a little bit. So... Um, you know, that's not easy to do when you want to take what would be a two-hour movie and make it into, you know, a 40-hour TV show. Yeah, two things. Um, the fact that Esmail knows all the, the major story beats because he's, like, thought all this out and written it down, mm-hmm. um, that makes me not worry about the quality of, of one season, you know, affecting the whole show. Yeah, because um, this guy clearly has a plan. So I, you know, I, I don't worry about the show not not being good going forward or being intriguing and groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, two, uh, the I, I really appreciated that this season wasn't just a 2.0 version of the first season because there were some like majorly like holy crap messed up things that went on in the first season, and instead of um, just taking the next part of the roller coaster ride, the the second season kind of um, didn't look back, but just like really contemplated those those things that happened. You know, the the hack itself, what really was accomplished by doing that, um, the actions of Elliot and Angela and Tyrell. Like in that finale, there was um, the moment where Joanna goes to uh, the CTO's house. Mm-hmm. And he he breaks down talking about you know the death of his wife and how she was pregnant and everything. We had never gotten a moment in the first season because it was so fast paced, moving to the next point, to really have that like humanizing moment where you um, get to understand this guy lost his wife and just how devastating that is and how um, horrible of a of a tragedy it is. And I thought that's those are the things throughout the season I really appreciated was how. Um, these these actions didn't just happen, and they, they weren't reflected upon. Right. Um, so speaking of, let's start talking about some of the other characters and the journeys they went on this season. You know, other than Elliot, who yeah. is is <laughs> the main character and uh, one of the favorites. But so uh, why don't we start with? Let's go with Darlene because we we see her. She kind of takes control of F society. Um, or at least the illusion mm. of control, because Elliot's doing control is an illusion. All That's sorts what they said of in the gym, yeah. Right? Well, I mean, because yeah. Elliot has been doing stuff with the Dark Army apparently, and uh, so it's kind of like he's left 
Darlene all out to dry in the world with uh, Trenton and Mowgli. And we really see her step up into the leadership role and take some huge strides during this season. Yeah, we also understand how in control she isn't, though. Right. And um, that's I think that's her, the most emotions. important part. Yeah. Um, she's a very unstable person. Not No one's un, as unstable as, uh, <laughs> as Elliot, obviously. Right. But, um, yeah, you really... And this is what I loved about the season. You just get an understanding of why they're doing what they're doing more. Um, mm-hmm. She, you know, has that monologue with um, the legal counsel from from Evil Corp uh, about, you know, how when she first saw her in the courtroom. Um, it was I, I really enjoyed everything Darlene did this season. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think for even the slightest second that she might be dead at the end of episode the the third to last one oh with the shootout and everything yes yes that one you know what i'm talking about. i was i was sure that they they had killed cisco right um i didn't i didn't know about darlene i i, I didn't really I, I mean, think I, she I, was I, I was like 80 20 she's alive I was more like ninety five five. Like, like <laughs> I they did the whole thing where they don't even mention her in the episode after it, and I I was just like, okay. All she they has said to was like, all Dom did was like mention like the interview. She said she wanted to be there for the interview, and you don't know who's being interviewed. But I I was, I was pretty sure it was Darlene too. Right. And speaking of Dom, um, she's this new she's the new character, probably the best new character that they introduced. And uh, FBI agent, really interesting character, and I really like her kind of arc for the whole season. But I do have to ask you, does she have, like, another strategy other than just telling people what she has on them? Because, I mean, she really she really goes over the top in the finale with Darlene and the whole board be like, hey, we know basically everyone involved in this. Well, I think that's... You know, the whole season I kept going, this chick is such a gunslinger. And from all points indicating where they didn't really have anything yet. Right, which, which kind of confused like, me. Gosh. Well, I was just like, gosh, this person is reckless. Like, th- how did she, like, get this job in, in the first place? You're a horrible agent just going <laughs> into every situation and just, like, shooting from the hip, sometimes mm-hmm. literally. Um, but it, it all made sense when yeah. you were shown that board at the end that they have all these connections already and right. they, they really don't have a reason to be mum about it. Yeah. And um, you don't really realize, um, until that point that, you know, this is what she's been advocating for with her boss the entire season. Like, let's show these guys what we got and like, we know who you, they are. Let's go after them. Do you think her boss is dark army? You know that you say that, and it just totally kind of sounds that. correct. That's the first time I actually thought about it, but that could totally be really? it. Really, there were multiple times I was, you know, watching episodes, and like he was shooting, you know, he shot down like everything, and I was just like, "This dude is totally dark army." Like he's trying to be crafty about it, but like, there's no way because he like demanded that Cisco's sketch be put out immediately, and like that's a message to Dark Army right away. Hey, you got to kill this guy. You got to like ask this guy before the FBI gets him. Like it was, I, I felt like it was really apparent and it might be so apparent that it's a misdirect now that it's, 
become like so blatant to me. I guess, so, I mean, I, at this, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying, because at some point, you know, maybe the guy's just a dumbass. You, you don't really <laughs> know. True. I mean, you, it could be. Uh, <laughs> could be. Okay. Uh, I, what really, a, I really thought Grace Gummer was great, too, as, oh, yeah. as that character. I think Absolutely. she was a fantastic actor. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised Her if she actress, got a Supporting sorry. Actress Emmy nomination uh, all the way next year. Um, how oh, about... Wow. Hey, I'm just saying. I also wouldn't be surprised if Portia Doubleday uh, got one for Angela. Let's talk about Angela a little bit. Um, yeah. Her, it was a very weird kind of arc for her because at first you think she's getting brainwashed and then you think that she's kind of rebelling and then it's clear that she has no idea what she's doing and it's kind of really grim. Uh, my first question for you is... is um, was was Angela's karaoke scene, is that like a scene that Sam Esmail stole from Nick Pizzolatto when they were coming up with True Detective Season 2? Because that was really grim. The, the, this is my least favorite life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I like that moment better, actually, than the this is my least favorite life because it's a little less... Um, it's a little less straightforward that, oh, this is a grim scene about sadness and, and depression and everything. Well, I mean, I like um, I like just about anything more than I like True Detective Season 2. <laughs> That's true. Oh, gosh. Has that... Oh, hold on. I just have to ask you a quick question about that. Has that become a thing we like to, like, to dislike so much that we enjoy it? Honestly, I've really wanted to watch through the second season again just to... Just to just kind to of go through and laugh in the at way, it, like in the way we watch Batman and Robin. Oh and yeah, Battleship. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. The thing, the the thing is, the actors are still mostly good in that, um, and it's still like an interesting L.A. noir story. It just has so many elements. It has the weirdness factor, which is good, but it just has so many elements. You're just like, no, dude, no. Yeah. Um, go going back to that that karaoke scene. I thought that was like my favorite. Angela moment of the season actually mm-hmm. um, because there's something about she's there at that bar and she had just told off that guy um, who was like giving her crap for working at E Corp and it just seemed like as you're watching her sing and you're looking into Portia's eyes it, it's like she's playing her humanity off the stage mm-hmm. and, and it it's just like heartbreaking actually to watch. That's that's how I felt when I first watched. It. I'm just like, God, this is so sad. And like, I've I was frustrated with the Angela character all season and everything, and just like rolled my eyes when she do the, the dumb stuff that she did. But at the end of the day, that really made me feel bad for. And really, I don't know, it was a moment that that made you realize just how incredibly like lost that character was. Mm-hmm. I would. I honestly think Portia Doubleday had the best performance of the season as Angela. Um, I, I mean, I thought she killed it at every turn. Even even though they, they kind of misused the whole staring off into space kind of thing with Angela. Like, she was so believable as it. Um, and I, I really enjoyed her. I wouldn't be surprised if she got an Emmy nom either, uh, to be completely honest. Um, how about the fact that she apparently knows Tyrell? At the end, in that almost final scene, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was after her meeting with White Rose, probably. Oh, I'm. I mean, I'm sure it was, but 
Yeah. I guess I guess the I, real question is how long after Elliot being shot is is that scene? I bet probably not too long. I would see I would guess not either, but you, I guess I mean you don't know. Is it a few hours or they is it a few he, days? They said he woke up, so I mean I don't know, how long does it take to come out of getting uh shot in the gut from point blank range, I guess. I don't That's know. I would the... I would tell you, but I've never experienced that before. <laughs> um yeah, no, that was an interesting wrinkle and I so the, the, the penultimate episode, the episode right before the finale, and yeah. she has that scene with White Rose. Which is I extremely weird. White Rose was like, we have 30 minutes to talk, or however long it was. I literally thought it was just going to be a 28-minute a, a long scene at first. Oh, gosh. Because it went on for a while. And I honestly, up until that point of the season, we've seen, like I said, sitcom elements Mm-hmm. Um, and so much unre- unreliable narrator stuff, I was like, mm, okay, this is probably happening. I was just like, sure, why not? <laughs> why not? Uh, I uh, <laughs> When they said 28, when she said 28 minutes, I'm like, oh, please tell me they're not going to make an actual 28-minute scene. That would be miserable. Oh, so you, so you thought it could have been a real thing too? I didn't think it actually would be, but... In the back of my mind, I was thinking, okay, this is the show that made it a sitcom for half the episode, so they literally could if they really wanted shout to. Outs, shout outs to Alf, by the way. Shout Alf. outs to Alf. You the real MVP. That's the man. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, okay, uh, so how about we get into the my not-so-lightning round of Mr. Robot questions. Um, can, we, can we talk about one person first? Um, oh, yes. A notable. I, I know well, we forgot him. Go ex- ahead. Three three people actually I just want to mention. Um, yes. DJ Mobley, um, and who who's the female character? Uh, Trenton. Um, no, is that her name? I think that's her name. The Muslim chick, right? Yeah. Pretty sure it's um, Trenton or Trenton or something. Th- those were those were two more examples of of side characters getting more of a story and more of a plot development this year, and I appreciated mm-hmm. that. Because they're kind of the the people on the outside looking in and seeing, you know, the the people who were mainly there for and like seeing how much control they also don't have and freaking out about it like we were. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really nice. And then the other person I want to mention, Joey Badass. Love guy. that guy. As Leon stabbing dudes in the ass. I love that guy. That. I really enjoyed his part. I really enjoyed his Morgan Freeman impersonation too when Elliot first got to uh, the prison. That was like straight out of Shawshank Redemption. If uh, you haven't watched that in a while. Like it's really similar to like that first scene where he shows up at the prison and and uh, Morgan Freeman's character is like introducing him and telling him how things are. I thought yeah. that was a really cool nod. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I really love Joey Badass as that Leon character. Yeah. I agree. Um, and. Totally did not see him being in the uh, in the dark army, and when he did, it it made me very happy. Um, but that was that was really cool. Yeah. Also and, loved uh, his. How about I loved how his... about the uh, the after credit scene with him and uh, Mowgli? Yeah, and with Trenton. those three characters. Right. Uh, so, Mike, I guess, <laughs> quick question is: Is Joey Badass there? Is he there to kill them, or is he there to use them? At first, I thought to kill them, but I I thought about it more. I'm like. Why would White Rose send that guy instead of like you know random machine gun number? guy? 
Yeah, random guy with mask number 67 or whatever. Um, and, he, and what he said, too, he said, do you have the time? And everyone's saying time, you know, connected. That's some white rose element or whatever because of time and the clocks and all of his, like, alarms and everything. So I, I think it's going to, I think they're going to be used for, for something significant by the Dark Army. Right. Okay, uh, let's get to the not so light lean, bleh, the not so lightning around because I'm sure okay. it won't be lightning as we go through these. So, uh, okay, uh, favorite thing about season two? You go first. <laughs> you want me to go first? Yeah, I want you to go. Uh, first. I am going to go with the the beautiful, weird, and awesomeness of the the two part first episode. I I loved that that kind of two part first episode i thought it was fantastic um, what was your favorite um like moment from that favorite moment it would have to be between um the opening where elliot's going through his routine to lupe's uh daydream and the uh the beginning oh, you of mean... this go ahead the yeah it's sampled by lupe but it's actually um it was originally i think by eye monster Daydream oh, yeah. in Blue was the name right. of the song. But yeah, but then Lupe said, th- that's what I thought too. And then I did research on it. I was like, oh yeah, there's an actual like original version of that. Right. Yeah, yeah. I loved that. That was really cool. Yeah, that was a nice, really nice opening. And then... That uh, was the moment I realized, oh, Sam Asmail hasn't lost his soundtrack <laughs> at all. Absolutely not. The soundtrack was fantastic. And to go along with that, the beginning of the second part where uh, Scott Knowles, the CTO, burns all the money to... Uh, the, is it Take Me Home? By Philly! Our boy yeah. Phil! Our boy Phil. Love You that. literally named... You literally just named my favorite two moments, too. Oh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like we're, it's like we're brothers or something and have similar interests. Yeah, something like um, that. Anyway, your favorite I, thing from season two. If you can I name think one. my favorite. Th- I think my favorite thing, and I mentioned it before, um, just how like unapologetic the season was about not being... Not being exactly what everyone expected it to be or wanted mm-hmm. it to be, perhaps. Um, like I said, there there aren't enough shows that take chances like that um, consistently and in a in a very distinct way show they they don't give a sh- um, But there's just uh, th- there's something just admirable about it. Even if I didn't you know enjoy whatever was going on when those weird moments happened or I was frustrated, um, there's something really admirable about about doing that in a way that's uh, still very high quality and um, moves an incredible story forward. Right. So I think that's just overall, like in general, the the season had those moments and I really appreciated it. Right. Biggest problem with season two? Um, Like I said, pacing before and probably number of of episodes okay fair enough and the fact i couldn't and, and the fact i couldn't watch it all at once <laughs> yeah that uh <laughs> that would have been nice or or two or three things at a time i guess yeah. i i think i think that was a, such a drastic change um going from season one to season two yeah um i have a couple things i'm not sure i can choose one. First one would be too many cliffhangers and um just the motto for the whole season raising more questions than they're answering um not always a good thing 
Um, See, I, yeah, you're, you're, there were, as soon as like one question's answered, it did seem like a lot sprang up, but right. um, it's still, this, this, this show is still so young, so I think um, even if it like jars me at first, I get over that because that's what a good show should be doing is continually asking questions. Right. And then the other big problem, I would say, is waiting way too long uh, to reveal Tyrell. Yeah, people were waiting on that halfway. People were ready for it to happen halfway through the first episode. Oh, yeah. Um, And instead, we got it drawn out all the way to the end. Also, I just want to throw this out. I, I... I know they kind of explain it, but I still want to see what happens during those three days. Like, actually see things that happen yeah. during those three days. And I thought we were going to get that, but we didn't. Things things are still vague. Like, so who, who shot the gun, and why was it shot if no one died or if nothing... Did Mr. Robot just, like, shoot that to, like, lead Elliot into thinking that... I think what they did with that... I think what they did with that is the gun that Tyrell, like, shoots Elliot with, um, I believe he gives it to Tyrell and says, or something along the lines of, if anyone gets into the way, you know, take him out. That sort of thing. I think yeah. that's what the significance was, but it wasn't entirely clear. I'm, I'm still waiting, though, why, to see why the bullet was, was shot. This is, okay, I want to uh, say something about Reddit, too. Yep. So we've, we uh, were going through this season, and I remember as soon as like the first episode was done, people were theorizing the prison theory on Reddit already. And I kind of shook my head. I'm like, mm, no, maybe that's too obvious, or maybe that's, that is it. That could be. And then it ended up being true. And all season, Reddit was talking about Tyrell. When is she showing up? Um, is he the one calling Joanna? Like all that stuff. I've realized. I think I don't think Reddit's good for me as I'm watching this show because No, it's definitely not. It's it's a rabbit hole that I think took away my enjoyment a little bit instead of just watching purely to to just enjoy and see what happens. Right. Instead I was reading theories and in my head I was anticipating, oh yeah, that could mean that this is actually gonna happen. <laughs> right. I don't know. I think I I think I'll take the blame and I think I ruined it a little bit for myself. Yeah, way to go. Um, yeah. Here's one that I don't think any either of us can actually answer. What the fuck is the Dark Army doing? <laughs> are that's they on E-Corp's yeah, side or are they on Elliot's side? Because it seems like they're on both sides. Or are they on I... neither side? I think no one is on anyone's side. Ah, vague answer. Like, it, it is, they're, they're like... It's like an onion with a lot of layers to unpeel still. Ooh, I like the metaphor. Um, <laughs> here's one. Um, I don't know how you feel about this character, but I want to know, when is Joanna going to have a storyline that I should actually care about? I really got you know, worn as long out as... her. <laughs> I did not like as long her. As... I did not like her, her arc for this season. Um, it was it was all mostly a tease, and I think that's why. Um, and and obviously, if it was a shorter season, I think the build up to her last scene where she gets herself choked out um, would have <laughs> yeah. would have like 
um, I don't know, been more impactful. I mean, in the moment, it still like was like a holy crap moment because a woman's getting choked to death on screen. Um, th- I think I just need she she just needs an excuse to like pull a Claire Underwood move like that. Like as long as there's an excuse for her to do that, I'm fine with it. But um yeah, it did feel like there was a little too much time probably dedicated to her on screen this season. Right. That really yeah, until her le- very last scene didn't pay off. Yeah. Um, I, the um, actress is great though. Yeah. But, yeah, it was just I feel like her character is just, like, too effed up. Like, she's, like, she, her character is very dark, and I, I'm not sure I really like it. Eh, I enjoy it. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of the nature of this show to, to be that way and to have that kind of, I mean, her and Tyrell are insane people. Well, I guess, I guess here's what I don't like about her. I think she has a Cersei Lannister effect to her, where... She thinks she's, like, super in control and knows everything that's going on, but she really has no idea. Yeah, and they kind of balanced that throughout the season because whenever she had, like, moments to herself, she was freaking out about her husband. But, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't, who wouldn't do that if he's gone missing and is believed to, like, be behind the biggest hack and disaster in the history of mankind? But, um, I mean, I, I, I could see how people kind of, um, didn't really get anything out of that because it was, it felt like a side side plot at times, just compared to everyone else's. Right. Okay. Three more quick ones. Actually, yeah, three more quick ones. Uh, first one. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about what phase or is it phase two or stage two? I don't know which one. How stage two. Stage, stage two. two. How do you feel about state about what stage two is, which is blowing up the E Corp building? Underwhelming, overwhelming, just right. Combination of um, both. Yeah, I think a combination of both. It it didn't it didn't really move the needle for me in the way that it uh, did in season one. And maybe that's because the the big moment, the the hack or whatever in season one was was built up for so long to to be this um, overcoming moment, mm-hmm. and and then we had it, and it it really did seem that way because of how it affected people and everything, and and this was kind of the opposite. You found out like at the last minute because it was something Mr. Robot hid from Elliot the whole season, right? Um, it's still like really important to what they're trying to do, and I get that and everything, but I don't think, um, yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of in the middle, I guess. I would say initially I thought underwhelming because it's like, oh, they're just gonna blow up a building that has a bunch of paper files in it that they already erased, yeah, you know, whatever. But then you stop and think about it, like they're going to basically blow up a giant building like that's like 9-11 stuff that they're actually gonna do that i mean that's when you actually stop and think about it that's kind of yeah it's basically terrorism like i think that's actually a big deal so i'm a little i mean in in society that's a big deal if it like happens in real life but i'm saying as um as a plot device or, or as a moment in like the story it it just didn't impact me in the same way 
the the five nine hack did last year. Right. I think I think it was kind of, it kind of felt like it was wedged in at the last moment. Like, oh, by the way, this is our next plan. Right. And um, I'm curious it didn't even if there's really more. Allow... I'm curious yeah. if there's more than meets the eye on that. Something with the dark army. I feel like there's that with Ulterior literally motives. everything in this show. There's literally that with everything going on right now. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Now, okay, two more questions. Um, are Elliot and Mr. Robot ever going to actually be on the same team? Because the reason I ask this is because, like I said, once all the jail stuff was done, you kind of see them, like, come together and, like, we need to work together type of thing. And then they... Yeah. It turns out that yeah, they don't. They part ways again, yeah. So it almost makes me think that one of the big conflicts throughout this entire series is that Elliot is going to be fighting internally with himself and Mr. Robot, and that's going to be one of the main conflicts while all this other stuff is going around. In other shows we've watched, you know, like Breaking Bad or um, Sopranos, there's always like that one big bad that shows up, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to have something like that in Mr. Robot 1 because it doesn't cater to those kinds of tropes in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, I think the closest thing we'll get is Mr. Robot. The thing mm-hmm. is, he's not always a big bad. Sometimes he's... I, I think sometimes they're just going to be at odds and sometimes they're just... They're, they're going to be working towards the same goal and it's just going to flip-flop and vary so much. I mean, you can tell two seasons and they never agree on everything or about anything fully mm-hmm. see so i i don't yeah that's that's my thought on it I, i'm gonna disagree with you in one aspect i think there is a big bad and just outlook for the uh the the seasons coming up i think is it price is the head of e-corp philip price yeah philip price i feel like he's gonna be the kind of big bad for like next season but at some point he's gonna get off, and I think White Rose is your is your big baddie, the uh, Gus Salamanca, if you will. Yeah, I uh, I mean he kind of is just in the background, and I feel like he'll stay that way. Like he's he's not some person who's gonna like step right up and loom over you know the main characters of the show and stuff because he's so behind the scenes. So I I, I don't know how that will work, but. I mean, I don't think you're wrong that he's going to, you know, be a, a prominent, like, bad guy or whatever. I just don't think he's going to have that, like, big bad mantle the way some of these other, uh, like, villains have had in those other shows. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Actually, two more questions. I just thought of one I have okay. to ask you. Is White Rose guy who is also a girl or girl who is also a guy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't I mean, tell. I think it's a girl you, who's actually, who is also a guy, but I'm not sure. I mean, you and I can sit down to pee if we want to, can't we? I guess. <laughs> I, I don't no know. Idea, <laughs> I, that's that, that's just the first thing that popped in my head. I I have no idea, but I, yeah. I don't think it's actually important. It's Oh, um, I don't either. It's just an element. I'm just poking fun. Okay, but last then, question. <laughs> Last okay. question, and then you got to get going. Uh, what is the next yeah. television drama that you will be watching? Uh, <laughs> There's a right answer to this, Ben. There is a right answer. 
Oh man, wow, that's such a trap. Um, despite what, pe what d despite rumors you might have heard, it uh, it will be Stranger Things. Hey, you passed. <laughs> now go yes, go binge watch Stranger be. Things so you can come on here and talk to me about it because I'm itching. Hey. Braley and I are currently we're halfway through Narcos season two, which mm -hmm. is a show which should be the next show you watch. That or the night of. Both are um, on my list. And, and as that winds down, I will be starting Stranger Things. That's so what I like to hear. Rest assured, we can we can get on a pod and talk about that too at some point. Yeah, you, you know we will. Okay, Benny, uh, <laughs> you got to get out of here. We're just about at our forty-five minute mark. So uh, thank you for oh, joining perfect. me. And uh, no problem, sir. We'll look Glad we'll look to. forward to Mr. Robot season three. Thank you, everyone who listened. Ben, thanks for being here again, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Always a pleasure, sir. Oh, yeah.